All right, welcome to the Mentis Podcast. We've got Mark Deddens today from iStorm. He's going to give us a little bit of uh, background on his company as well as talk about the risk management business. He's got 11 years of insurance experience in, in settling claims for clients with over 120 million in claims settled to date. Uh, Mark, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about risk management and you know where that fits into a property owner's uh, you know insurance concerns. Yeah, so I mean, by definition, risk management really is just kind of being prepared for something, uh, whatever that may be. Um, in the instance of protecting your assets uh, or us protecting assets for our owners, there's quite a few steps in the process. The most important thing is to <clears throat> understand your policy and then secure an appropriate policy. Most people, I'm not even going to say property owners, most people have never read their insurance policy, right? And the policy is an, it's a contract. And the minute that that contract is bound, in other words, you accept the terms and sign it, and then you return your first premium to the carrier, everybody is now bound to the terms of that contract. So the contract, the details in that policy are critical to when a shoe drops. So understanding that I think is the first step in moving towards creating a formidable risk management program. Okay, so let's, let's break this down a little bit. You sit between an insurance carrier and the property owner, and you provide the service of essentially filing claims when, when necessary for a property owner. So what does that look like? How do you make sure that you're more successful than somebody doing it on their own? What does this cost? You know, kind of really give us a little bit more on, on, on the background of what you're doing. Sure. Well, you have to understand some motives. So first and foremost, insurance companies are investment firms. Yes, they're in the risk management business because they're accepting a premium and willing to take on the responsibilities of rehabilitating a property if something happens. However, those premiums are invested and they're not invested for you. They're invested for them and they're making them just gobs of money, right? So when the shoe drops, which it will, not if, but when, something's gonna happen. Uh, the question is, is that when you wanna find out about exclusions in your policy or some of the tactics they use? The delay, deny, and reject tactics, there's like six primary that they'll use, right? So uh, we hear improper installation, um, past its useful life, no functional damage, manufacturer's defects. Well, that's kind of hard to prove if you haven't done your due diligence, right, on the property. Now, those four things typically aren't in the policy language. So I don't worry about them as long as my policy is adequate. The two that you can get hammered on are failure to report the damage in a timely fashion. So many states have a two-year statute of limitations. So it's failure to report doesn't necessarily mean the date of loss, it's date of discovery, okay? So let's say you don't routinely inspect your properties and then you hire a company like mine and I go out there and I find stuff that's a year old. Well, you were just made aware of it. So timely reporting would be to go ahead and take that to the carrier. Now, some states go up to seven years and some years have a one, states have a one-year limitation. So understanding those boundaries is important. 
The number one reason for denial, Nick, is to call it old damage. And there, it, there's nothing you can do to battle that. Now we're in the United States, okay? A lot of climate change, weather issues, et cetera. Uh, wind happens, hail happens, microburst storms, tornadoes, hurricanes, it happens. So what do we have to do to ensure that once a claim happens, you know, we're not caught in some old damage adage. So the very first thing I would tell you to do, whether it's my firm or you, is get out to every property you have, fully inspect the every single building. If it's on the exterior, you should document what it is, what it's made of, what kind of condition is it in, has it been installed properly, has it been maintained properly. During this process, you'll uncover some CapEx needs, most likely. Uh, and then document whether there is any evidence of wind or hail. Most cases, you're not going to find it. That's good because I now have time date stamp photos and a written report, this stake in the ground as of that date that says there's no issues with this property. Now, then what we do is we pop these properties into a proprietary weather tracking system. Uh, there's software you can get. Uh, we've got you know roughly 2,000 properties in our system that we monitor. If a storm allegedly blow, blows through, and probably 80% of the time that weather data is accurate, but sometimes we go out and it allegedly blew through and there's nothing there. Well, that's fine. I've ruled that data out. Does that make sense? Sure. Now I've got a new baseline. If there is damage, we simply amend our report. So I got a baseline date over here. It could be two years ago. And then I have a date today with a legitimate date loss. And then that information would be in red. So now when you go to the carrier, I got before and afters. And I got to tell you something. If you've ever seen an insurance carrier's underwriting report, it is not comprehensive. It's just not good. They don't jump roughs. They don't document all this stuff. We do. So most cases, when we get to that point and the client makes a decision to file a claim, then when we go to carrier, I kind of just ask them, do you want us to write the estimate or do you want to write it? Because I'm not having any of this discussion about old damage or failure to report because we've already prepared you for that. Therein lies the risk management. So essentially, review the insurance policy, ensuring that you have good coverage, establishing a baseline of your property before any event happens, and then when and if it does, use that as your baseline to successfully file a claim and, and really not have any issues with, with your insurance carrier. Do I have that right? Yes, that is correct. At its core, that is correct. There are other elements to consider, okay? So unfortunately, in the industry, you've heard this term storm chaser, right? What do you say to the people who, who call you a storm chaser or somebody who's uh, leeching off of the insurance industry? You know, like, what if they have that perception of it? Is, is that what's going on here? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Normally, what I do is I point them to a client testimonial video that I did about four years ago, where three of my clients tell them why or not. But the biggest thing is, let, let's define what a storm chaser is. A storm chaser goes to where storms are, right? We had a big storm in 2011. I actually wasn't in the industry at the time, right in my hometown. And it just beat the heck out of everything. Big storm, like three-inch hail stuff, just destroyed everything. And all these companies come in from Texas and around the country and, you know, went door to door and 
everybody says, oh, they're storm chasers. Well, kind of maybe, because if Dayton, Ohio had relied on the resources that were available locally, we'd still be under rebuild. So there's nothing wrong with a quality company that comes into a territory and offers to take care of you that operates with integrity and you know some legitimacy. However, when you're running around chasing storms, there's that stigma attached. And then there's always a bad actor. And the bad actors will file frivolous claims, right? So we're different. I'm always, people always say, how come you don't have this huge concentration in Oklahoma? There's all this hail. I say, because my owners don't have properties there. So I never chase a storm. I already have properties, right? So for me, I'd rather baseline it <clears throat> wherever it is. You know, we're in 35 states, but a guy calls me tomorrow, or if you called me and says, hey, I'm buying a property in Fargo, North Dakota. Guess what? I'm operational in Fargo, North Dakota, because you bought a property there, and I want to protect you. But cutting to the chase on storm chasers, no pun intended, uh, the, again, the bad actors. So we talked about the report coming back, right? We call it a post-storm inspection report. So it's your baseline combined with the post-storm condition. We will provide you, we'll say, hey, Nick, you've got a half a million dollars worth of damage, or you've got a million dollars worth of damage, and here are the elements. You know your policy, or we'll tell you your policy, right? You've got a $10,000 deductible. If you were to file a claim, you know, this is what you get. I'll never tell you you absolutely got to file a claim. We'll give you the facts, you make the decision. So, and I've had cases, instances, though I have them all the time, where a client will say, well, shouldn't we file a claim? And I'll say, no, you know, you had two fires last year on the same property in the same underwriting period. That's not good for your loss run. So let's say you had some minor hail, but your roof would, let's just call it roofing, but your roofing would still had four years of useful life. I'd say, Nick, don't do it. Get through underwriting, go claims free for a little while. Something more severe happens, go to claim. Does that make sense? Sure. You have to be cognizant of your loss run. Yes, there's lots of carriers that would underwrite you. Uh, but if you have a symbiotic relationship with your broker or your carrier and everybody acts in good faith, share the information, right? So I got some minor stuff over here, but I'm not filing because I just had $2 million worth of fires in the same policy period. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. But when I hear all of this, you know, I think a lot of other people are probably thinking, okay, this is, this is a probably a pretty expensive service, uh, and and maybe that's an important piece to talk about here. So, are we now having to pay our deductible and then pay you to come in and do the service? How do you fit into the the cost of our insurance needs? Yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, this is the part that always smokes people. So we do our policy reviews, our inspections, our you know all this stuff is stored in the cloud. All these photos, reports, it's all accessible by you at any point in time. Uh, when the claim is filed and the shoe drops, we go and we settle it. Once that's settled, the all the scope in the insurance proceeds estimate is contracted with an iStorm, pardon me, an iStorm certified general contractor. And I've got them all across the country. We take them through a very detailed vetting process. They're top of class. They're not criminals. We've done civil and criminal background check. We maintain their workers' comp, their general liability. So we bring in this competent, high-performing general contractor to execute the project. You contract with them for your proceeds, 
including your deductible. By law, you got to pay your deductible. That's your agreement, your policy, your contract. And then we collect our fee from them. So my charge to you is zero. So that, you know, that seems a little, little too good to be true, right? I mean, you're coming in here, you're, you're doing a baseline, you're reviewing the policies, they're, you're getting everything pretty much teed up to, you know, to move forward, but you're not charging us anything. Is that, is that standard in the industry? I mean, what do you? No, 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 no one in the country does this. Okay. So you... years, I've had people say, oh, well, so-and-so does this. So, no, they don't. It, you, do you understand the, the, the vast amount of resources it takes to go inspect roughly 2,000 properties? It could be four buildings. It could be 26 buildings. We groundwalk everything. We fly it with a drone. We go rooftop on most. And then we document and store all that. Here's the thing. And I like being transparent with folks. When we take on a new client, let's say they got a portfolio of 10 assets, right? So I'm going to go look at 10 properties. We will find pre-existing damage on that first pass at a rate of somewhere between 10 and 20%. And it, some of it depends on geography. So I know coming out of the gate, we're going to monetize on a couple of projects, probably pretty quickly. That allows me to fund my expenses to go do what I do. And then the rest of it's like an annuity. I hate to use the insurance term, but it's not if but when. The shoe's going to drop. And I've done all the heavy lifting. So now I go back and reinspect. It's not as tough. If I look at a building, a property that has 26 buildings, and it's free and clear, hail goes through. I'm going to look at north, south, east, west, and one in the middle. If it's all consistent, we're going to claim. Because we're going to have to jump all 26 of those in the adjustment process anyways. But you see what I'm saying? So it's a lot easier once you have the baseline to go in. It's lighter lifting. You know, I guess if you're sitting here and you're, you're a savvy investor and you're thinking, well, maybe maybe if there's money in doing this, why, why couldn't I just do it for myself on, on our properties? What, you know, what's the... The secret sauce that you guys are giving you, you you could do it let me tell you the part you can do uh you could hire a public adjuster to review your policy for you probably wouldn't charge you much to make sure you you know we all want to trust our broker and the insurance company but that policy review is critical you can absolutely do that you can send a team out there document the property and the condition wonderful now here's here's where it starts to become resources right how do you know when a storm went through? Well, somebody on site tells me. If that were the case, I would never do baselines and five damage. In other words, people don't think one inch hail does anything. If they can't see shingles laying on the ground, they don't think it's damaged, but they could be creased and lifted and everything else. So that notification, and, and, and by virtue of not recognizing it, you could fall into old damage and failure to report. So unless you want to invest in a weather tracking system that will tell you when this stuff happens and I don't have to re rely on a human element. So that's a little bit of a challenge. So that's one thing. The second thing would be, okay, now you've gone to claim. We use a public adjuster. I have a team of public adjusters across the country. They understand policy. Most of these guys have come from the insurance side. So they understand the inner workings. In other words, what's going to be required by this carrier to establish and support paying the claim. So that knowledge is invaluable. Now you could hire a public adjuster at that point. So, you know, there's an option there. 
The next thing is, okay, they say, well, we don't, we don't believe this is the effective data loss, even though I've got a baseline. So now you need a forensic weather specialist, somebody who can challenge Doppler and radar and write you a 250 page report that says that paid service information is crap. And this is really what happened. So they can definitively place a weather event on a specific location right down to the lat long to tell you, yeah, it was one inch hail, it was wind driven by 60 miles per hour, and it was eight out of a 10 density, which means it did damage. And this kind of stuff holds up in a court of law. They could insurance carrier sometimes and likely, uh, actually probably more often than not, will hire a structural engineer or a forensic engineer to come out and create some sort of anomaly that says it's not really damaged. So you have to be prepared to say, okay, if we get into this battle, right? I don't like going 12 rounds and I normally don't have to, but if I have to, now I need forensic engineer. So we bring that to the table as well. Sometimes you hit an impasse. There is stipulations in most policy that says, hey, you don't agree, we don't agree. You can invoke what's called an appraisal clause, which means you hire an independent appraiser on your dime. Insurance company is going to hire an independent appraiser on their dime. And then those two will both go to the property, determine what the scope is, try to reach an agreement, and then a dollar figure associated with that. Okay. So now you have that in the corner. And we have that as well. So that's something that would be outside of can I do on my own? And then basically the experts, you're providing all the, the back end, you're giving us the, the, you're, you're, you're giving us a turnkey solution here. So this is something we don't have to bring in houses is, is what I'm hearing. Yes. And all of the individuals that I have on my team are transparent, legitimate, and forthright. They're never going to tell you something that's untrue, but more importantly, they're on the owner's side. Okay. So just finding somebody that's really going to protect your interests. That can be a tough task sometimes. There's two other elements. You have what's called an umpire. So let's say the two appraisers agreed to disagree. Well, then a third party impartial umpire is agreed upon between the carrier and the insured. And then both appraisers present their case and then everybody lives with that decision. So it can go that far. Then you have people that will push back and you need a little legal muscle. So we also have attorneys. Doesn't mean we're gonna file a lawsuit but sometimes you need to force appraisal. Uh, you know, you need to get a hard stake in the ground that forces them to do something within a 30 day period. We have attorneys that are specialists in this that can write those kinds of letters and so forth. Here's the other thing, I'm gonna come back to this. <clears throat> we again, provide all these services on the front end at no charge, okay? We'll get all our money back at the end. If I go spend five grand on an engineer, We'll pull that from the proceeds and then you'll pay your PA. And then the balance will go to the contractor to execute your scope. You're never gonna get hurt by this stuff. So you guys provide all this you know, expertise. I mean, it, it sounds like that would be a, a rather lengthy process if you had to go, you know, as you said, 12 rounds. <laughs> what percentage of your claims are getting kind of handled within you know, maybe that first one or two rounds? I mean, it sounds like the baseline report is pretty uh, pretty detailed and, and would provide enough enough evidence of, of the issues. Uh, you know, how, how many times is this actually going to start being a long, drawn-out process, and then it's kind of a headache for everybody involved? Uh, there's really two critical elements. First of all, who's the carrier? 
Okay. Some carriers put up major defenses on every claim, regardless of how much factual information I have. Some carriers want to play ball. They want to take care of you. Uh, they want you to continue to insure with them. Especially if you if you got 10 assets and you got five plays with one carrier, you think they're going to worry about a $400,000 hail and wind claim? They're not. They don't want to jeopardize that premium. Especially if your loss run for four or five years has been cleaned. Hey, hasn't had any fire, hasn't had any floods, hadn't had a car through a building, no trees have fallen on there. Let's just take care of this guy, right? So that has something to do with it. But more importantly, when I have the baseline, we're talking 45 to 60 days. We have some sort of insurance approved estimate. Uh, case in point, I just settled one up in Cleveland, Ohio, Northeast Ohio, actually Chagun Falls. $3.5 million from the date we filed to the ACB payment being made, which came in on 3.5 million was about 2.7 million. From that check, 34 days, we're able to settle a $3.5 million loss and have the initial check issued in my client's hands in 34 days. Uh, now that's keeping time. your client, you know, uh, privacy, Give us an idea of what happened in that case. What, what is causing so much damage on that property? Like, what were you able to? Was the Condo Association 100 freestanding buildings, volume. Okay, it's a large property. Some were, some were quads, some were, you know, freestanding homes, but they were, you know, half million dollar homes. Every you had hail damage, you had wind damage. What, what happened in that? It was hail. It was hail. Okay. So you, you basically re-roofed the entire community is what I'm hearing. Roofs, gutters, flashing, some window screens, AC units were dented up. Hail does a lot of damage. Sure. And those are other things too. Oh, and then this one, which is kind of interesting, they had just restained like 40% of the decks. Well, when hail hits that, it spatters and it discolors the deck. So I had these beautiful decks they spent all this money on to have restained. So of course, that's a piece of scope that we don't miss. Sure. That was not the previous condition. Pre-loss operating condition. That's what the insurance company is responsible to do. No so, matter how minute the detail, we're going to talk about it. Now, you took that claim and you went to, let's say, the, the tenant association. You said, storm just went by. Here's our post-storm inspection. Put together a report and presented that to them first. You didn't go directly to the insurance company. You, you were. It's all driven by the owner of the property of what happens after they certainly and, and so i have a client in northeast ohio who has a condo management company he manages 110 condos god bless him i don't know how he does it but he does it so i've had him since 2012 so we already had a baseline so this was a no-brainer hail went through i knew it we went in we looked at the property went on about 10 different cul-de-sacs and said yeah this thing's blown up at that point i already had a contract with the management company but we still had to sit in a board meeting and all that stuff. So yeah, we just came in, gave them the report, told them the facts, showed them the before and afters. And quite frankly, they said, it's too good to be true because they had all this money in reserves for new roofs. When we settled this, they were now able to repurpose those funds towards other stuff. So talk about happy ownership in that association. Sure. They were cooking us lunch and buying us bottles of bourbon. That's what they were doing. Yeah, I bet they were. <laughs> <laughs> when so when do you bring in your services i mean are we contacting you after, right after we settle you know as we're shopping insurance policies when do you guys fit into that equation 
just mm -hmm. open a whole other really good point. So you have a base of assets that you own. There's no break. We just go, just go and schedule all the inspections and notify everybody and off we go. And on those, on those uh, assets that people own, what is, what size does it need to be? Does it, do you, what, you know, what portfolio? There's no threshold. We really don't do single family unless it's wrapped under a condo association policy, a single master policy. So if somebody has 10, 10 homes on a, on a road, could they call you or is that too small? I mean, they could call us, but, you know, for us to go baseline 10 individual, you know, if somebody calls and says, hey, I have 10 residential homes and they're, you know, I never want to pimp someone on the size of their portfolio, but sure. most owners that we deal with are multifamily. So the person who has a small or, um, or just a couple single family houses, they should go out, probably document. This just go and just go inspect it and get your documentation and your photos and save all that and pay attention to the weather. And Actually, if somebody like that wanted my help, they could call me, say, Mark, we really don't want to engage your services, but can you notify us when a weather event happens? I'd do that for them. Okay. I already have the system. It doesn't cost me anything to pop a property in and monitor it. Then just send them an email. Say, sure. hey, you have wind event. You probably go look at that. Yeah. We don't care. I'm sure they'd be thinking about you as they you know, grow and get into the bigger, bigger properties. Uh, sure, possibly. Hey, let me dovetail on that too. So another thing we are very, uh, which is invaluable, and I speak at different multifamily conferences across the country uh, on this topic. Due diligence, huge. You get an OM, uh, you strike a deal, we need to be your first phone call. And let me tell you. Okay, so that's that's back to where now you're covering all of the existing properties, but now we're looking at a new property. As soon as we have something teed up, we we've now gone uh, put a deposit down. It's time to call you. Yeah. We're in due diligence. It's time to get on the phone. Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna get. We'll tell you whether there's any settling and how the foundation look. You know, we don't go inside, but if it's on the outside, we're gonna tell you. So we may have a lot of information for you that's not storm-related damages, but stuff you need to consider. Windows, window wraps, awnings, entry doors, screens, all of it. You're going to get all that info. So that's valuable in its own right. The biggest value is the presence or lack there of existing wind and hail. Because if you have existing wind or hail and you buy that property, you can guess where I'm going. Your current, your new carrier could always say that's old damage. Sure. And they would be correct. Now there's ways to battle that, obviously. I can't be cast in stone, but now I come back to you as the purchaser and say, you should go to your buyer. Here's this report. Here's the evidence of what's going on. And here's your costs. You know, Nick, if you buy this thing, you're going to incur a half million dollars in new roofing because of storm damage. Now, you can go to the seller and say, hey, look, I don't care how we do it. You can either discount the price. Here's my estimate to get this done because I can't inherit this. Or the seller could choose, the current owner could choose to file a claim with their carrier and then assign the benefits to you. We do this all the time. But the last thing you want to do is go swinging into Dodge with existing hail and wind damage on a new property. It's, it's just a, it's a terrible thorn in your side. Yeah, interesting stuff there. It sounds like you're just being proactive in the situation. You want to make sure that you're not getting caught off guard, not really relying just on 
maybe the the property manager is doing the due diligence, but really maybe construction professionals. Who actually There's a work. great video on due diligence. So iStorm Group has a YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type in iStorm Group. You'll see uh, quite a few two minute client interviews slash testimonials. And we normally do these based on unique stories that represent an element of what we do. So there's one called Tory Pines and the owner of that property is out of uh, Philadelphia. His name's Tom Ashton. And he went on camera and we went on site and all that kind of stuff. It's a really good interview with him talking about the due diligence process and what we did for him on Tory Pines. Okay, and that can all be found on your website? Uh, you can back into it from the website, sure. Uh, the, the easiest thing to do is just go into YouTube, type in uh, iStorm, one word, the letter I, the word storm. Uh, yeah, we'll put a link to that below this video and make it easier as well. And then, yeah. Uh, if they want to contact you, where do people reach out? You know, pick up the phone, reach out on LinkedIn. I've got a massive profile and a big following and all that. Pretty easy to find there. We've got a LinkedIn business page. Just any old way you want to get a hold of us. And then typically what we would do is just do a little due diligence on you and your assets and how you're handling things now to make sure it makes sense to have a further conversation. And then if that's the case, we'll put you on like a 20 to 30 minute WebEx call and show you all of these systems and elements that we use. You know, and then at that point, you want to call somebody, call somebody. Most owners, new clients will... You know, they want to do their due diligence, but kick the can for 30, 60, 90 days, and that's fine. We're not in a mad dash. I got to tell you right now that we could take on 100 assets tomorrow. We could, and we could go handle that. And we could probably inspect all that stuff within 60 days. It sounds like your systems are in place, ready to go. Well, I've, got the, I've got the people. I've got the team. Mm -hmm. uh, we were just in Phoenix and we're probably going to pick up about 150 assets and those are probably across 14 different states. And they're like, how do you get this done so fast? I said, I've got great people. I've got boots on the ground in those markets. Top of class contractors, public adjusters, estimators, inspectors, my team. We have a whole QA department and these folks do nothing but make sure everything's going the way it's supposed to. So if you have a project, not only is our contractor photo documenting their progress on a daily basis, we're QAing that. And that's another good valid point too. It's kind of a little bit of a plug. Uh, I carry all kinds of E&O and umbrella insurance. And I do that because you never know, right? I've not had a contractor screw something up. Not an iStorm certified contractor. That, that brings up an interesting point. Are you hiring the contractor then? Who's signing the contract? with them you the, the owner of the property signing it. we'll put the contract together between you and the gc and then you will sign with them you okay. will pay them we facilitate all of that but here's the thing if something went south i would step in i storm group because i brought them to the table and i would own it which means i would bring in another gc if something got fouled up or whatever and we would done. finish what we started okay and i'd absorb those costs well, Mark, I really appreciate you giving us some background on this. It's a very interesting part of the insurance market and making sure that the risk is being kind of managed at each of our properties and uh, certainly would, you know, certainly would recommend that people reach out and see if you guys could uh, provide them kind of some insurance as well.
you have a, a website, iStar.com. Is that correct? Just iStormGroup.com. Yep. I, I, I I I've got another point if you got a few minutes. Sure. I think is very valuable to understand. I, okay. When I was in Phoenix, uh, someone slidoed up uh, during the presentation and said, what, what's going to be my uh, the effect on my insurance rates because of Ian, right? So Ian went down there and just hammered that territory. Um, and, you know, you're in Florida. You've got to kind of expect that, right? Sure. However, the way that rates work is predominantly by geography, right? So let's say Travelers has a lot of coverage in Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. Ian comes through, does $250 million worth of damage. They're not going to raise your rate, Nick, because you filed a claim. They're going to raise the rate of everybody in that territory, whether you had a claim or not. You have to get it back from the mass in a small bite, but there's going to be an increase. And this person happened to be from Ohio. And I said, you'll feel no effect of that, no matter what the carrier is. Then I have to do a blanket across the country. That's not fair. You know, if I'm in Ohio versus Texas, you know, it's a different animal. So there's geography and then there's the scope of the storm. And then the other thing to understand is that insurance companies have insurance companies. So they'll like have a tertiary policy. So let's say travelers sets their bar at 250 million. We hit 250 million, we're done paying, we're exhausted. They'll have maybe Lloyd's of London writing them to cover anything beyond that. Does that make sense? Sure. So insurance has insurance. I never thought, I thought they had another in the bucket of money, but I guess they have a pain point and that's the end of it. But uh, so, and then I want to double back on rates. Rates are going up. They're just going up. They have every year. So people go, oh, they're always in insurance industry. Sorry about your luck. They're going up. So let's not fear the insurance company. You buy insurance for a reason and it's a contract and everybody needs to be bound to that. Whether you file or not is up to you, but you should have all the facts. So hiring your company will not directly increase the cost of the premium at the property? No, absolutely not. Okay. That, that, that. You, you, you filing a claim won't even necessarily raise your rates. People ask me that. My rates go up if I file a claim. Well, your rates are probably going up anyways. No offense. Uh, but it is what it is. But here's the point. Uh, wind, hail, tornado, microburst, storm. Those are all acts of God. So catastrophic storm damage, it's an act of God. An insurance company cannot legally fire you, drop you, or raise your rates as a result of that event. Now, at underwriting, your underwriting date, your next policy period, they can drop an increase on you or say, hey, we're not going to rewrite you. But they can't just dump you because you have a $2 million hailstorm that trashes the place. Uh, they can't just dump you right then and there. They've got to make good on their policy. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And that's been your experience so far. My experience, the other thing is go shop. Who cares? You don't want to write me? Fine. Actually, I advise my clients after a loss, if they like the insurance company, great, stay put. If they have a bad experience or da, 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 they want to try to get a better rate, now's the time, right? If I go put $2 million in upgrades to brand new dimensional shingle roofing system and all new party board siding on a building and it had a 
18-year-old three-tab and vinyl siding, it's an upgrade. And that's called pushing the lower risk button. So I'm going to go to a broker and say, go push the lower risk button. They're at less risk today than they would have been yesterday. So see if you can get me a rate reduction or even better coverage for the policy premiums I'm paying now. But does that make sense? It, it got does. a more robust product. It, it sounds like that, unless you're familiar with the nuances of the insurance industry, you're, you're operating here at a, at a major disadvantage that the insurance company is not going to inform you that, oh, you have a better roof or better siding on this building and we're gonna go ahead and lower your rate. You have to proactively reach out to them and say, this is a better product with less risk. We need a, we need a lower rate. And, and I guess that's kind of where your expertise and your team would, would kind of guide. We guide you, we guide you. We'll tell you exactly what to do, what to provide them and all that kind of stuff. I keep in mind, I have 24 years experience dealing with carriers. Uh, so I was in the medical business prior to this venture uh, for 13 years. We did full physician practice management. So we managed our receivables, we did their billing, their collections, payer contract negotiations with the carriers. So between that collective knowledge and then the very laser focused past 11 years on the property side of it, um, you know, this stuff, I could go on for hours. But the point is, I know exactly what their expectations are what buttons to push, and then most importantly, how do I protect my client? And we're doing a couple of nifty things here that I've got an initiative on as well. Uh, so we're talking about, <clears throat> I had an inspector on site in Tennessee while a windstorm kicked up and he literally watched the siding flying off the buildings. And as somebody goes, oh, what if they had a ring camera? And I said, what if we had a roof mounted camera pointing due west that gave me 90 degrees it was on a 72-hour loop. Now, video evidence with a baseline. Then, so they built this prototype for me. Uh, now, 1,800 of these things, and I'm out of business. It's like very expensive. So we would place them strategically in our markets. The other thing is, there's some new technology. It's called a hail impact panel. You can mount one vertically and one horizontally. And then... So this apparatus now has the camera, two hail impact panels. So it will pick up speed, size, and density of the hail. So now I'm gonna have speed, size, density of hail if it occurs. I'm gonna have video footage and a baseline. That's, that's fascinating. I've never heard of somebody putting on cameras to monitor your roofs and to you know, have impact, impact damage. Is that I'm something that I'm crazy? They're like, why are you spending all this money when you have a baseline? I said, why not? Why not? Is that just to ensure that your claims are going through? I mean, it sounds like you had a 90%, you know, or maybe even higher 90% claim success rate. You know, is, is that, is that 95% success rate, Nick, but remember I mentioned 12 rounds, even mm -hmm. with everything we have, we still go 12 rounds. Right. And normally it's something in regards to uh, size of the hail or speed of the way, you know, even with forensic weather, I'm doing it to shorten the curve because you know what, you know what you want more than anything. And I'm telling you this because I've asked my clients uh, constantly, I want to get back to pre-loss operating condition as soon as possible. So for me with cameras and impact panels, if I can crunch that window, for the ones that I have to fight for a while, if I can further crunch it, 
you know, it's kind of like going into court with a loaded gun, you know, it's just, it's just more better. That's all. And I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So 95 is one thing. I'd like to be at 98 and tell everybody we settle within 90 days, but we're working on it. Progress. I mean, it's a, it's a unique thing. It sounds like there's a ton of properties who don't even have your services or some, something similar anyway. So it sounds like you can grow the top line of the company quite a bit and then you know, kind of refine your systems as you continue to move forward. And that's, that's some exciting stuff. We, we like the industry and we like the folks we're associated with and we have a blast, you know, if you're not having fun and you're not growing, you know, you're dying and it's miserable. So we're blessed to have a lot of success, work with great people, uh, have fun. You know, when you like what you do, it makes the day go a lot easier. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it, it sounds like overall you're kind of focused on helping people and, and you know, making sure that they're getting what they deserve from their their insurance premiums that they're paying so yeah we talked earlier and i want to mention one other thing so we also have a very my wife and i are extremely philanthropic we we are uh, we lost twin sons uh in december of 2001 so they would have been 21 this december so uh but anyway so over those years we invest a percentage of our profits every year towards different child-centric health and wellness and spiritual organizations across the country uh, in the markets we serve and a uh, big contributor to St. Jude uh, in Memphis and Columbus Nationwide Children's. So, and actually we'll hit a milestone uh, with our end year donation this year, we'll go over 300,000 uh, vested to these entities. Those are definitely life impacting moments and I'm sorry that you and your family had to go through that, uh, but great to hear that That's you're making a, you know, a difference. I've got five of others, so my hands are full. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll definitely circle back here if, uh, if you guys have you know some major, uh, major updates for us in the future. Appreciate you being here today, and um, hope you enjoy your weekend. Appreciate it. Happy holidays. You as well. Thank you. you know.